0: I want to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so you can have it be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, plus many more. You can make money from your podcast with absolutely no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. Welcome to another episode of the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pachuto, and I'm pleased to have my good buddy, Tyler James, Minnesota-based photographer, aka First Hand Account, with me today. What's going on, Tyler? How you doing?
1: Pretty good. How you doing, John?
0: I'm doing good, man. Really happy to get you on the podcast today. Uh, so for the listeners, why don't you uh, do a little quick intro. Tell us about yourself.
1: Yeah. So my name is Tyler James. I'm 29 today actually is my birthday um, i
0: know happy uh, birthday
1: thanks man um i'm from minneapolis minnesota i'm i guess i'm from minnesota primarily i've lived in a few different uh, cities in minnesota kind of all over the place but um i am a photographer i do own a video production company as well called benjo media in minneapolis and we do like videos and uh, photos and social media stuff for like small businesses, um, which I really like doing. But my primary um, thing that I do is photography. And yeah, I, I take photos of everything. i pretty much done everything under the sun, but um, I've kind of been focusing lately on um, more, I guess, like fine art or like mundane scenes and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bit about me, I guess.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, so Tyler and I kind of came into each other's orbit. I, I think I kind of stumbled across your YouTube probably like two or three years ago. You posted a video about the Leica Q, uh, which is, I think your still primary camera that you use.
1: Yeah, definitely. Everything. 99.9% like a queue since 2015.
0: Nice. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I uh, I was looking into buying one. So I was like looking up every review online, found your YouTube, thought your, your videos were super informative and, and useful. So I subscribed, headed on over to your Instagram. You've created a really, really awesome community of people and fostering of everyone's kind of, um, you know, skills and 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 passions towards photography and you know you followed a bunch of people back one day i was one of those people we started talking and uh just a cool dude and uh, obviously really cool uh to connect with you on the podcast um how did you get into photography and like how long have you been doing it
1: so i guess like originally i got into photography when i was 13 um i begged my parents to buy me um, a DSLR. And I really wanted to start taking photos. I had taken um, a photography class at my school with um, a um, science teacher there that actually passed away years ago. So rest in peace. His name was Jake Miller. Um, But he had a basically like a kind of like a not a summer course, but it was towards the end of the year. And it was, um, meant for like, he was a high school teacher, so I didn't actually ever have him as a teacher, but, um, he did this photography course through the school as like, kind of like a summer thing that kids could do. So I took that course with him. I think I used a, um, a Nikon, like D32, or not D3200. I, I don't know what, what Nikon it was back then, but some digital Nikon that the school had like 12 copies of that they could <laughs> rent out to us. And so we got to like get the camera cart and get a bunch of cameras. We made prints and, um, we framed the prints in like black aluminum frames. We got professional matting and we matted them ourselves and learned how to like tape it. And, um, and yeah, it was really, a cool process, and um, so after that, I begged my parents to get me a Rebel XTI <laughs> with uh, an 18 to 55 millimeter kit lens on it. I also got a 70 to uh, not, no, it was a 75 to 300 f4 to 5.6, that like standard zoom lens. Um, I picked that up with the kit lens at the time because he was like, You're gonna want. A super zoom because I bought it from a store called National Camera in Minnesota that's been here for a really long time. And all the people that sell cameras there are like really, really kind of veteran or older photographer guys. So lots of bird photographers in that room (laughs) so that's why he was like yo you are gonna want the 75 to 300 when especially on a crop sensor camera when you start shooting birds (laughs) i never shot birds ever (laughs) so i never i i never used that lens but um i still have that lens to this day which is pretty awesome so sometimes i throw out on my 5d mark 3 and just shoot photos that i'll never post on my instagram and i just <laughs> kind of put, play around with it but um but yeah i got that camera they told me to to read the manual to memorize it and to shoot in in manual and so i shot in manual i read the manual 3 times i tried to remember everything i could i took notes on it um and i tried to learn every setting and then I started just shooting photos of flowers, sunsets, and my family. Um, kind of like, you know, what everybody shoots back in the day. Um, I also shot photos of like water fountains at like one two thousandth of a second because I thought that was so cool. You could like freeze water in motion.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I took a lot of those ty- <laughs> kinds of photos and stuff. And, um, and then I took long exposures of water too to just fog them out and. Yeah. So I shot manual and shot that camera for a couple of years and then I ended up putting it down. And then, um, I would say maybe like six years ago, I same situation. I asked my parents if I could get a camera again and I wanted to get back into photography. So I got a, a Canon 70d and started taking photos of my friends and like sunsets. And I was living in Florida at the time and, um, just like, you know, beautiful landscape scenes and stuff like that. And and then um, my buddies, like, I haven't had a lot of self-confidence in my life, and my parents haven't really pushed me to be who I am. They've kind of pushed me to be somebody else. So they didn't really, like, make me feel good about, like, creating art, things that didn't make money. And so um, my friends in Florida, they were the first ones to kind of be like, hey, dude, you really are good. And, like, you could do this as, like, a living. And, like, you could actually, like, like do this. Like, I think you're really, really good. And I was like, What? And I like unfortunately I was twenty one or twenty two at the time. That was the first time in my life that I heard somebody say, like, your artwork is good and you should keep doing this. Um, and so it was an eye opening experience, I guess, and so I, I uh I basically moved back home, moved back in with my parents, which is a whole another set of like, can of worms, but um I um went to the Minneapolis college of art and design and started basically taking photography a lot more serious. And that's kind of when I like, that was like 2015 I want to say. So that's kind of when I started really getting into it. And then, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, one thing led to the next and now I'm here.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, man. I, I mean, outside looking in, obviously it is a bit surprising to hear someone, you know, struggle with confidence in their art, especially considering I, I, definitely count you as one of my inspirations from a photographer for photography perspective, um, (laughs) because it doesn't come off that way. I mean, obviously number one, you, you create, create beautiful images. Um, and you have a a really easygoing nature about yourself on YouTube and stuff. So, um, I think that's kind of almost nice to hear, especially for someone like me, I'm, I'm just starting out, I'm you know, maybe three or four years into my photography. Um, but yeah, I think we can all kind of struggle with, you know, the social media aspect of of the 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 industry and, you know, followers and that whole nine yards. So like having someone who's established like yourself kind of be able to be relatable in that confidence area is uh to me surprising but also super super relatable. Um, you know, cuz obviously I I've, I've been there myself. Um, I I've seen over time, like just in like the last couple of years that I followed you, obviously your, um, your style, your aesthetic has kind of morphed a little bit more into those like night cityscapes kind of. Uh, landscapey photos, which are just so like uh, eerily beautiful and, and quiet and calming and so many other adjectives to describe how like just beautiful these pictures are. Um, but again, I came to you when you were primarily a street photographer. So how do you think your personal style kind of morphed over the last couple of years to kind of graduate to this, you know, new phase of your, your art?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, so I guess it's like a pretty long explanation, but like I, like I've definitely like taken a lot of photos for the purpose of trying to get a feature or trying to grow the page, right? And and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Like I think that it's that uh, Instagram's a valuable tool and knowing what people like and showing people what they like and using high contrast editing styles and shooting, you know, beautiful sunset cityscapes and like I have a lot of fun doing that and a lot of my friends did that back in the day. So that was like my primary reason for doing it, but I always had it in the back of my head that this is like feature worthy, that this is something that could appeal to the masses because it's such a kind of generic image type thing. Um, not in a bad way, but, um, so I, I kind of first started out taking photos like that. I loved to take and I had a lot of fun making, but you know, I tried to also make something that would get me like followers or get me features and likes and things like that. And so I did that for years, but, I found street photography in that process of shooting a lot of urban, um, cityscapes and stuff like that. And I guess what initially drew me to cityscapes was I had like, um, very, very strict parents that would ground me a lot. Um, so, you know, my, I had like a really harsh Asian mom who like, I never was good at school. So anything below like a B, you know, you're pretty much getting grounded for a week. So, you know, I would get grounded three weeks in one week, you know, like I just three different quizzes. I get like C, C minuses. And that would be the next three weeks. Like I can't leave the house. Like I'm grounded and I can't do anything. Right. So I was kind of locked away in my house a lot as a kid. And that's what initially drew me to cityscape photography is like, I never in my life walked around downtown, you know, like I had been downtown obviously, but we would like pull up to the valet, walk right into the restaurant, like the valet would pull the car out. We'd walk right into the car and I'd see a glimpse of it, but we'd never even walk like a whole block downtown. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's, I guess what initially drew me to like cityscape. And then through cityscape, I found street photography, just researching and, and um, looking at a lot of urban photography. Um, You kind of stumble on street photography immediately because cities have a lot of people. and, And that's where a lot of street photography is made. Not all street photography, but, Um, most is made in these like kind of central downtown, like, you know, high density urban areas. Um, so I, I found street photography through that and I absolutely fell in love with it. I still shoot street photography to this day. I post it on my second account sometimes, but, um, it's not, I guess my primary work and it took me years to realize, like, I'm not going to be the next, uh, Bruce Gilden. I'm just not, you know, most most
0: of us realize that.
1: Yeah. Like I, I love it and, and, but it's so hard. Right. And so when you get something it's so satisfying, but at the same time, like I have a lot of social anxiety and, and like 90% of my street photography is taken from the hip and I just kind of straighten the photo later, or sometimes I leave it wonky. Um, but, um, and I've gotten better at hip shooting over the years and getting those verticals to be straight. But, almost all my street photography is like from the hip, like I'm standing next to the person I'm close. I'm 28 millimeter, but uh they don't know I'm taking a photo, you know, <laughs> yeah. the camera's really silent and there's like a subway going by that's masking the sound and I'm using like different techniques to basically never let somebody know that I'm taking a photo of them. Um, and and that is a cool style. And I love, love that style. And I'm going to continue to do that. But almost like always the like most of the time that the strongest street photography i see is like they planned it you know they waited for the person to walk into the frame and they had it that composition they were looking through the viewfinder to to be able to to (laughs) see it you know like they were looking through the viewfinder like and um and that immediately brings attention to you or gives you away you know in a lot of situations and so i'm a small little skinny asian dude and so i'm (laughs) i'm like trying to be invisible anyways like I'm, sure. I'm usually invisible because i'm so like not a threat and i'm like so like like just skinny and small and just like i'm very quiet when i'm in public i'm not very loud i don't play music i never talk on the phone in public like so i i kind of just get in the subway and take my seat and someone might glance at me but after that they forget i'm even there because i'm just not a presence and so i try to use that like ninja technique to, sh- to shoot street photography but um but yeah i mean I guess what like the main motivation that that made me kind of change or switch away from street photography is realizing that and realizing that like I love it and I'm going to keep doing it, but I don't think it's my strongest work. And I don't think it's something that I'm going to be, that that's going to be my thing where people in, you know, 50 years are going to be like, Oh, Tyler James is a street photographer. Um, And I'm okay with that. You know, like I, I wanted that before, but now I, um, I don't want that. And, and, and I guess another thing that kind of led to me switching to this, like, I guess I call it like mundane scenes, um, is just like, the like, it's a combination of a lot of different things. So it's like, I was always locked in my room. So there's this curiosity that I have as an adult, like I never got to explore as a kid. Mm -hmm. And so like now I'm reliving that childhood of, of basically like, when you used to ride your bike around the neighborhood and find weird cool stuff and like, you know, Oh my God, this fire hydrant, somebody hit it and it's just like water's pouring out like these random scenes that you would never see. Like it wouldn't even be on the news. It wouldn't be like, you know, you, you wouldn't see it back then. There was no social media. So it's like, you had to just go and see it. And so I guess like the mundane scenes is kind of like a combination of the fact that I was always grounded. I had a really bad home life as well. And so I try to, like, I wanted to show the things that I've been through. And so I guess the more that I create, like, you know, work, the more that I, and the more that I study, like, the masters in art history context and the art process and and, and the fine art process and, and ideation methodologies and, and just all the different, like, subconscious and conscious processes that go into creation of any type of artwork, like, um, from the ideation all the way to the final product, like, Learning more about those processes in terms of like the art history context has kind of led me to a different way of thinking about photography and thinking about creating work. And like, I get a lot of inspiration from painters and from, um, like, yeah, basically painters. And, and so painters to me are some of the most emotional artists when it, like, painters and musicians, and they just pour their heart, like, what their traumas, their mm-hmm. experiences. They use it, they channel it, and they release it, and it's this healing process to them. And so I had a really bad home life, you know, like in combination with being trapped in my house. So not only was I trapped and grounded, I was always around like physical and emotional abuse. And like like, for just my whole life, like every day there was something, whether it was physical or emotional, like, like I – can't i could count the days in my entire childhood that it was good and everything went good and everyone was happy and everyone was nice to tyler and like um so i guess yeah man it was yeah i i'm I'm grateful that i went through it because i know that it'll help me break the cycle and i won't pass this on i was gonna say i
0: mean obviously i'm familiar with the fact that you have a fairly long-term girlfriend um how do you think those kind of you know trials as a child have impl- you know impacted your relationship currently because you guys have i think been together for a while and and you seem super happy so um yeah obviously it's overcoming a, a bit of trauma and 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 you seem you know a lot of this is 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 surprising to me because you come off as supremely confident and i guess that's from a talent level, when you look at someone's work and you think about all the time and effort and energy that goes into it, you think this person must be the most comfortable person in their skin because they're creating this beauty. And, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's a combination of that. Like, like I, I am comfortable in my skin now, so I definitely do feel that way, but it took a lot of therapy and a lot of like introspection and a lot of, working on myself and things like that to get to a point where I felt happy with it and um so so she's not actually my girlfriend she anymore she's my fiance oh wow Um, congrats
0: man that's awesome
1: thanks man so um so yeah but but I mean you know it's definitely it's definitely been like a it's a rocky it's a rocky thing you know like it's it's like living with somebody with a chronic illness, right? Like it's, it's there, it's no matter what, it's going to be there. And, and there's going to be long, like long stints where you don't notice it. Right. And, and things are good and the cancer's in remission or, you know, whatever it is like, and then there's going to be those times that are really tough and it's really hurting that person a lot. And it's like hurting the people around them, seeing that person in pain. And, and so it's like, I guess mental illnesses are the same, the same thing where it's like, all the mental illnesses I have are going to be chronic. Like they're going to last like my whole life. And some of them I'm going to be able to manage and some of them I'm not going to be able to manage as well. Um, and so like, like I, like, like personally I suffer from like depression, anxiety. Um, I have PTSD, but it's the secondary form. So it's the like emotional, I guess it's a little bit of physical abuse, PTSD as well, but it's not on the spectrum. It's not like war, right? right. But it is on the spectrum. Um, and then, borderline personality disorder, as well, which comes from like abandonment issues with my parents and and all these things and so um the shitty part is I also still have issues with my family, and my me and my dad are kind of estranged a little bit pretty much, and um I talk to him every once in a while, me and my mom, you know it's a roller coaster, and it'll be up and it'll be down and and so it's something that i I guess somebody somebody I was talking to recently told me like you know when it comes to like your parents as an adult like you you have to love them but you don't have to like embrace every bad part of them you know and accept Mm -hmm. that and allow yourself to be around those things and you know you can step away now like you have your own place you can you can just drive home you don't you don't have to stay there and and be subjected to like the same abuse or the same traumas or Mm -hmm. um but i guess when it comes to like me and my fiance, like she is very understanding and very patient and very emotionally mature. And so like, you know, I'm somebody that like, I, I'm, I know who I am. I know what I've been through. And so like, I've shown, I guess shown her all the bad and all the good and I haven't held anything back. You know, it's like, this is me at my worst. This is me at my best. And, and like, this is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the best, the best presentation of who I am. And so I've, done that in the past and with um, other people before and i've reached a point where they're like i can't handle this you know or like i don't want to be around this and i'm like i completely understand um but with her it was like she did understand that she still wanted to be around and i was like that's kind of how i knew like this is like this is the one like this is the person that because i'm i'm a very loyal person and i'm never going to give up on like somebody if i decide to spend my life with them but
0: like having I understand. date, yeah. I was just saying yeah, having like that reciprocation, it's like validating for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to unpack the kind of, you know, uh, mental health stuff because I, I recently had a conversation with one of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, I think over the weekend for the podcast and he mentioned he's going to therapy and, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression and things that like, this is a person I was in his wedding and uh, something that I had absolutely no knowledge about and I'm by no means any sort of a professional in this realm. Um, but the one thing that I kind of hope that through these conversations I have with people is the attempt to start normalizing a lot of this shit. Because this is yeah, a kid no. I've known for 20 years. And if if we didn't have this discussion, he would never have told me these things. And I think... there is all that societal social media presence to put that smile on and drug along and pretend like everything in your life is perfect. And, uh, it's kind of nice when you have the ability to relate with people about, you know, traumas and and tribulations that you're going through that, you know, maybe you don't even feel comfortable telling your best friends with.
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I I guess I, I come from a place where it's like my whole life I was told these things are normal, you know, like I was only told about things that are worse. Right. So like I knew in my heart, like, this is not how families run. This is not, you know, like we're not the worst of the worst, obviously in the entire world when it comes to emotional abuse or physical abuse. Right. Like I could still walk to school. Like my, the marks weren't visible. Like, you know what I mean? I still, my face, I still have my face, like, you know, in terms of physical abuse, like that's, that's what my dad always said, you know, like it's not bad because like I got beat way worse than you, and this isn't shit compared to how I got beat. And I'm like, sure. but it's still, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you look it up and um and so I guess I was always under the assumption that like my family was completely normal and there was only worse. So every family in the world was exactly like us, except for the families that were much, much, much worse. Um <laughs> and that was something that my parents kept telling to me to try to justify their own behavior and, and what they were doing, you know, and trying to normalize that because they, in their heart knew like what I'm doing to this kid is very fucked up. Um, and so it's something that like, the reason why I'm so vocal about it and, you know, I'll say the mental illness by name. I'll talk about any aspect of it. Like I'm, I'm not beating around the bush, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just let it out there and, and tell people everything um, is because I know there's people out there like me that maybe are in the same situation where they're like, their family is like, this is normal, you know, or like I came from a very affluent family. So, you know, they would be like, you know, you're sitting in a suite at the four seasons in Maui right now, you know, like, you know, how many kids, you know, get to do that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, And so like, why are you so sad, you know, but in my Heart, like I sat in the room the whole day in Maui at this beautiful resort, like telling myself not to jump off the balcony, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like, so it's like it's it was this weird, like, yeah, this weird, like, you have such a good life on the outside, right? But sure. on the inside, and all the fights and all the restaurants we got kicked out of for screaming at each other, and you know what I mean? All just all the shit, like, just constant fighting and animosity and hostile behavior and abuse and, um, putting each other down and low blows. And it's just years and years and years and years of that. Like, it's not normal. It was not normal. Yeah, Um, it's tough,
0: man. Hurt, hurt people, hurt people, right? That's like the thing that I learned after some shitty relationships and, you know, you can chalk it up to family dynamics as well. Um, you know, they, their attempt to normalize, obviously the abuse is something that you look back on as an adult as not so fucked up and not right. But as a kid, when it's ingrained to you that this is the norm and I don't have it as bad as everybody else, it allows you to justify their behavior because they're my parents. What do I know any better? It's fucked.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Definitely
0: from a, you know, 2021 post COVID, well, not post, we're obviously still in it. Um, you know, obviously there, there's a lot of things that you have that are going great for you work, uh, you know, your, your art, um, what gives you confidence today? What, like what inspires you? What's like the things that you have going on that you look to and you wake up and you're like, Oh, this is so fucking awesome. I get to do this.
1: Um, you know, like I said, these are, like, lifelong, you know, illnesses So, or, like, things that I deal with, basically. So, like, there are moments where I'm more confident than other moments. So, sure. I guess there's still, <laughs> yeah, there's still lots of moments where I'm, like, not confident in what I'm doing at all. Um, and, um, like, I'm living at my sister's apartment right now, and I'm just, like, living on a mattress on the ground. And, like, I, I am supposed to move to Malaysia. I was supposed to move to Malaysia to be with my fiance like in April, but the border hasn't opened yet. So I'm in this limbo period. Oh, so, um, so yeah, so I guess like that's been like, I I kind of like let go of all my clients because I was going to move and I was like, I can't do work with you guys after a certain point. So then they like, you know, obviously found other people and things like that to take over the responsibilities that I was doing. And so in the work front, I'm like not confident. Cause I don't know, I have good savings right now, but I don't know what's going to come next. I don't know like how much work I'm going to get in Malaysia or, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, I guess like, I guess what keeps me confident is like the, the growth, right? Like, that's what I think. I think that People focus on work, right, to distract themselves from the things that they don't want to think about about themselves for or sure. about their, you know, their relatives that they have issues with, the relationships they have issues with, things like that. And so, like, what I've, the work that I've always put myself into is working on myself. And everyone around me that I went to school with put work externally. Like, I'm going to get good grades. I'm going to go to an Ivy League school. I'm going to work for like Goldman Sachs and, you know, work for an investment banking company and make like 175 K like as like a 22 year old. And like, and a lot of them did that and they accomplished that. And, but it's funny, like many of them have quit those jobs or moved away, moved back home with their parents and have had coffee with me. And they're like, dude, like, I wish I did what you did. You know, now I'm behind on myself, but you are so much further ahead in, in terms of like your maturity and like, knowing yourself and and working on yourself and working through the things that you don't like about yourself and um and so i guess that's what gives me confidence now is whenever i kind of get down or whatever i kind of like start to lose that confidence or lose that drive to keep creating and stuff like that i like i always just look back and i'm like look at where i was here and now look at where i am now and then multiply that by 10 years like now i just need to be patient like nothing gets built overnight. And as long as I'm continuing to make myself a better person to be better for the people that are around me and that I care about and, and create things that make me happy and that, that touch people in, in a certain way, or, um, that's all, that's all I'm really trying to do. And so, um, as long as you're, you know, improving every single day, like that's, that's the main drive. That's what gives me the most drive is like, just knowing that tomorrow I can be a better person or I can take a better photo. And, um, if I just keep going, imagine where I'll be in all of these processes, like in 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, and yeah, that's, I guess what, what keeps me
0: keeps me confident now. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I mean, talk about an absolutely beautiful answer. That's, I mean, I, I don't think you could have possibly articulated that any better, honestly. And, and it kind of goes back to like how this, you know, friendship of ours started. You've really built, uh you know, a fostering community amongst people, you know, from an Instagram perspective, which, you know, it's, it's just a social media network. It's just a place where people, you know, share memes and post photos and stuff. But I think that it kind of, shows in what you do and, and how you've built this community around yourself of people that you like to prop up and, and share other people's work and are really giving people, um, you know, confidence in the stuff that they're doing because you see value in that. And, uh, man, that's super inspirational. And, and I, I, I it, yeah, I'm blown away by that answer. That's, that's incredible for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thanks, man. Those are some, yeah, those are some super kind, kind words. I really appreciate it. And, and I mean, really, I just consider myself really fortunate. Like a lot of people got followers, got features like in 2016, 2015, 20, 2017, when it was, you know, really a much more organic growth type place and sure. it wasn't prioritizing ads as much and things like that. And um, a lot of those people now, I feel like I look at some of those pages and they're like, man, they used to get like four or 5,000 likes and now they're sitting at like, 600 likes you know and it's like you know two comments on the photo and um they had this opportunity they had this this massive community of people that they grew and they didn't add the personal and they didn't prop other people up and they didn't like they 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 put themselves on a a pedestal instead of staying grounded and staying real and staying Mm -hmm. like a real person, you know, and caring about people. And, um, I, I definitely did that too. Like you were speaking earlier about me following everybody back and things like that. And, um, I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I, you know, like, why am I putting myself up on a pedestal when I'm somebody that I'm not like that in real life? You know, Mm -hmm. I haven't ever been like that in real life. And I almost felt like obligated to be like this Instagram persona thing, where it's like I, I'm not going to post like my food that I ate on my story, like unless it's like a good photo, and like you know what I mean, like yeah. I'm like I have to be this presence because I'm not Tyler online, I'm first hand account
0: or whatever. Yeah, right.
1: And so, and that was bullshit. Like that's not who I am. Like that wasn't true to who I am. That's not like you know people meet me and they're like, dude, you're nothing like how you see him online. And I'm like, man, I hate that. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't like that at all. Cause I like who I am in person. And so maybe I don't like that person. That, <laughs> that I'm no, I mean, being I, can online. See, I, I
0: can see that. And, and, and that, again, that goes back to like the confidence thing that I was surprised to hear you say that you like struggle with that because, you know, outward looking in at, at your stuff, it's just, it, Comes from such a confident place, and you know, like you said, you you've been featured on some huge Instagram accounts, and I know a lot of that stuff doesn't matter, but like as a as an artist, as a person that's making art. It's it's validation, right? It's it's showing that the stuff that you're doing is appreciated by other people. And then when new people come into your sphere, um, it's just all validating for the thing that you're doing, I think. And you and I have had this conversation before. Like, it's frustrating for me. Like, I'm not I'm not seeing growth on Instagram. I'm not seeing like the, the things that like would validate the thing that I love to do. And it's tough. Yeah. And, and some of the conversations that we've had where you're like, listen, man, it's just a number. It doesn't mean shit. Keep doing what you're doing, doing what you love. And eventually it's going to all click. And yeah. I'm doing things now from a photography pr- perspective, like working with models and, and hopefully brands and stuff in the future that I don't think I would necessarily have gone for had it not been for some of those conversations with you. So, you know, obviously big ups to you and, and, and thank you. Um, because as as shocking as I'm it glad, was, to, yeah, no, as, as surprising it was to hear that you, you know, I do struggle with confidence. It's, it's been a lot of the conversations that you and I have had that have given me the confidence to keep pushing my dream and, and, you know, pushing my, my skills and, and my art further. Um, so thank you. You recently, yeah no, problem, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. You recently came out with, uh, with your first, I think it was your first book, right? Your first zine. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the process of putting that together. Obviously I've got a copy on my, my desk over there. Um, super, (laughs) super, super proud of you for that. That's, that's really fucking awesome. But, but what was it like putting that together? How did you like, you know, kind of decide what made the cut, what didn't make the cut? And, you know, did you have any inspirations of other photo books that you saw that kind of went into uh, putting that together?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess my main inspiration was Matt Day. So Matt Day, Did his zine, Social Distancing, um, where he just went around Chillicothe, Ohio, in in his hometown, and just took black and white photos on on film, um, just of all the empty scenes, and um, I I didn't want to do that book, because honestly, I thought that was pretty much a cliche, you know, even like when we would see these viral images as photographers of like the empty Times square and like everyone would come in and be like, yo, how many photo books do you think we're going to see called like, <laughs> you know, like emptiness, distancing, or yeah. like emptiness or like, you know, the <laughs> pandemic or like, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. And it's something that we've all been waiting for for a very long time and that we've never seen before. And we've always dreamed of seeing these scenes with nobody in them at all. Right. And, um, it's cool, but it's definitely a cliche. It's definitely overdone. It's definitely something that was very obvious to everybody that was in the pandemic. And so, um, so, anyways, nothing against Matt Day because I love Matt Day. Me too. I, I, I've had, yeah, DM'd him a couple times. He's super nice. I yeah. love his work. Even now, he said he's like, he's regretted making that in that exact way. And his next project, he's going to take multiple years to do it and and not have a set deadline and not be like i'm gonna take photos for two months and then just print it sure and so in some of his most recent youtube videos you can kind of hear that sentiment that he's like uh not super proud of that project yeah um which is funny because that's how i feel about my zine as well but uh really yeah, but I mean I love there's so many photos I absolutely love in that, but there's a there's just a few photos that I look at now and I'm like maybe I wouldn't have included it if I had more time to think about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so that's that's all. It's just nitpicking and stuff like that. But same with Matt Days, I think is it, it's kind of the same sentiment, but um but anyways, I like, I wanted to move to Northeast Minneapolis. It's like this iconic neighborhood in Minneapolis. It's technically the oldest neighborhood in the whole state. So um, that was like the first neighborhood, like in Minnesota, basically. Um, The oldest bars in the state are there. The oldest restaurant in the state is there. Um, And so, yeah, it's just like this iconic place. Lots of old buildings that haven't been torn down or are historically preserved or or protected or the facades are at least protected, which is the most important part in my opinion. (laughs) Um, And so... I I just wanted to walk around and and shoot all these old houses and these old buildings and the old fire station that's been there forever. And, um, yeah, I I just basically started going on walks with my sister and her little French bulldog. And, um, I found, um, I I just find photos wherever I go. So I've I've, ever since I got the like queue, I pretty much bring it around everywhere with me and whatever I see, whether it's like a candle on like a table at a restaurant or, or, you know, just, random stuff that you maybe wouldn't never take a professional photo of or a photo with a nice camera. Like I just bring it around everywhere and take kind of like Martin Parr type um photography or like Stephen Shore type photography. And um yeah, it's just kind of like a subconscious process where I'm not really thinking. I'm just kind of using the subconscious and the mood I'm in and um the things, the light and like the compositions and just using the, Artistic elements and stuff like that subconsciously and just trying to find things as I walk. And so um, I was actually taking photos a bunch on these walks. And my sister, I was showing her all the photos because I was super excited about them. And she was actually the one that told me you should make a zine. So that's awesome. I didn't even have Yeah, I didn't even have the idea she was just like, yo, you should make these into like photo book or something or like a, like a smaller photo book, like a zine or something like that. And uh, I, like I said, because I struggle with self-confidence, I was like, I never, I would have never had that idea myself. Like I, I was eventually going to create a photo book, but not something that quick or not something that with that type of work in it. Um, cause I just took those photos cause I liked them. I didn't really see much value in them past just me liking them. Mm-hmm. And so she was the one yeah that that pushed me to do it and so I after she pushed me then I started really intentionally taking photos when I walked outside and kind of trying to through the subconscious process like develop like uh what the project idea is right and so I I knew I wanted it to be about northeast Minneapolis I knew that I wanted it to be about my experience of moving there and moving there for the first time and falling in love with the city like firsthand and spending that time. Um, and at the time fall was just starting and the leaves were changing. And I was like, wow, this is a great opportunity to show fall in Minneapolis. Um, I, I've never seen really, I mean, you see one or two or three, like random photos in the fall of like, um, scenes in Northeast Minneapolis or in like more city areas, but most of the photos you see people just go up North to the national park and they shoot like these rolling Hills of endless trees that are all changing colors. And that's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a nature person. Like I don't <laughs> like camping. And, yeah. like, I hate mosquitoes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not about that life. So, yeah. <laughs> I, so I was like, how can I make a book about fall that also fits me and who I am and my work and my style. And so, um yeah i decided to make it about northeast minneapolis because i saw there was a lot of trees that are also protected here and they can't be cut down so there's like you'll see like a 150 year old tree in the middle of someone's front yard and you're like whoa like just Shoot. giant trunk yeah yeah so um so yeah so that's kind of how the project came to be and then um yeah i used MagCloud because i really liked the 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 uh quality for the price i didn't want it to be super expensive i wanted it to be like you know 15 20 bucks something that's like you know pretty easy for people to to buy type thing i wanted it to be even cheaper than that but i put too many photos in it
0: (laughs) too many pages
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um but yeah so yeah, I really liked MagCloud for it, and um, I highly, yeah, highly recommend MagCloud to anybody's who, anybody who's looking to make a zine for sure. But,
0: that's that's really awesome, man. Um, wh- what would you say is the thing that you're like most proud of? Uh, you know, from a photography perspective, if it's not your zine, um, you know, what can you look at and tangibly say like this is something that I, I think is my greatest achievement, my the the mo- thing I'm most proud of.
1: Yeah, I guess. Like, this is why I tell people to never stop trying new things as an artist, because the next thing could be your thing.
0: I completely agree. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that.
1: Yeah. So, like, Picasso is the perfect example. Picasso was a master of so many different art forms, but he wasn't famous for hyper-realistic Renaissance-style paintings. But Mm -hmm. he could do it. Sure. He could paint the Sistine Chapel in the classical style with the classical paints. Like, he knew how to mix them. He knew how to use the mediums, like he knew that but that wasn't what people know him for right if he had never tried cubism he would have never known like oh wow i can really like like my cubism shit slaps like yeah. basically like you know like i i had no idea like it's really well received by the public and it's really viral you know at, yeah. at the time viral wasn't even a thing but like his the, pr- work the was precursor viral. to viral <laughs> yeah so um so yeah anyways like i there's so many things I've tried and failed at street photography is the perfect example where I tried so hard and sometimes I'd go out and just take street photos and I'd fail and fail and fail. And there's only maybe like less than five photos that are street photos that I'm like super proud of after like years of doing it. So it's like, um, yeah, it's like, not a very good hit rate, but... Um,
0: I don't know if it is for you. It also seems like the the photos that I think are the most impactful or the most beautiful or the most profound for me are usually the least liked photos I'm not, <laughs> that you post. Because like, oh, I've got some like heavy, heavy images. Like I've got one that's in my mind right now. It's like a homeless person with their cart and just their legs sticking out behind them, which I think is just like such a haunting image. It's in the subway. People are just walking by and there's this person there. And I I took this image and it's like, you know, I shoot with an M6. It's perfect. Uh, you know, uh, sharpness. It's, it's just like the, my, my best photo. I know it is. And, yeah. like, nobody ever likes it. And I'm like, well, motherfuckers, this is the thing I love the most. And at the same time, when someone asks you, like, oh, what's your favorite photo? My answer is always, hopefully, the next one. Like, the thing that drives yeah. me most is going out and making more images. And that's why I, I, I love that you you said that.
1: Yeah, 100%. And just piggybacking off that real quick before I get back to the, the question, like, I was in a clubhouse room the other day and somebody – the clubhouse was called What's Your Bucket List Shot, right? And everybody was like, oh, Northern Lights, Iceland, or somebody else was like, like, sky, like a Milky Way photo in the desert of like this one place in the Middle East. And, um, and I was like, wow, yeah, for sure. My answer was that my bucket list shot was whatever photo gets me to the next part of my career. So I don't know what my bucket list photo is right now, but I know that it, it might be a photo I already took. It might be a photo that I'm going to take someday, but whatever photo or series of work that I create that gets attention from the people that I want mm-hmm. to get attention from the people that could change my life overnight from who I am now to speaking, presenting gallery shows, selling artwork to collectors, like prominent in the collector market, like making a living. A good living like that type of change in life right and yep. that's my ultimate dream for sure and so that was my bucket shot so i completely agree like your next photo could be your next could could be that list photo could be that best photo type thing um but um yeah going back to the original the original question i guess something that i'm i'm i guess more proud of or one of the only things i guess i'm <laughs> proud of in my photography <laughs> um is these photos that i've been taking this past winter um and the the, the funny part is i don't even share the best stuff like Ooh. stuff that yeah so what i post on my instagram is stuff where i'm like that doesn't fit in any series i'm doing or any photo book or any print like print or like you know it's it's and there's a few of them that are like i just love everything about them like the slide photo that i oh, posted yeah
0: fucking love that one. yeah
1: that's like one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. So, um, I definitely let those out still, the good ones, but most of them are like, I have five different angles of one scene and the ones that I like, I like, but they're not like the one, those are usually the ones that I share on Instagram. Um, so the one I still have for a lot of those locations I went to, like the, my favorite one, I still have in my archive. Um, but, um, this work that I've been creating in the winter has really like been, I guess the thing that I'm most proud of it's, it's my first attempt at like creating in this, creating more like a painter versus like a photographer where it's like, you know, like my, like, like uh, Francis Bacon, Norman Rockwell, right? Mm -hmm. Like that type of, where it's like
0: intention they're using.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of intention, but it's subconscious intention. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, Francis Bacon is a little more obvious where you just look at this disfigured face and you're like, wow, the pain Mm -hmm. and like scream and just the emotion, like you feel all of it. Right. A more abstract way is like Norman Rockwell, right. Where it's, it's literally like maroon on red. It's a maroon blob square rectangular blob on top of a red painting. And so it's just two shades of red, but the more you sit there, the more you feel his loneliness and his depression and his sadness and his um and all of these kind of undertone themes and so my new work or like my most recent work has been my first attempt at trying to take like all of my traumas and all the things that I feel all the time and trying to put those into an art form without being very obvious about it right so mm-hmm. like there's an artist I like that makes pieces of from sleep apnea nightmares that he has um but they're very obvious right like he's literally trying his hardest to depict what he saw in the dream very specifically so like him with a bag over his head drowning in the creek while people watch him, like that type of you know what i mean like the it's a very obvious or literal expression of what that dream was right? right i'm trying to i guess take a more abstract painters approach to photography in that I'm trying to take a photo of a slide that feels sad, that feels lonely, that feels isolated, that feels peaceful at the same time as well. Like I, I find peace in exploring all these places by myself and being able to drive anywhere I want. Like to this day, that still gives me butterflies in my stomach that I am not grounded, that I can like, if I want to go see something, if I want to go, like, to a location or to, like, an amusement park, or I want to just do anything, right? And I have a free day. I can get in my car and do whatever I want. I'm an adult. It's my money. It's my choice. That still to this day is, like, such a liberating and exciting and happy feeling for me. I almost feel like a kid that's like, oh, I get to go to Disney World today, you know? Um, like, it's that it's that kind of feeling for me. And so... um kind of yeah the this most recent work trying to put all of those emotions of like my depression my isolation and me feeling disconnected from the world but also trying to put like the happy sides of it as well and the fact that i'm at peace now and that i'm like happy exploring these scenes and that these scenes bring me a lot of healing and meditation and calm that i I didn't have when I was a kid, right? Like being in a house that was all, you could always hear screaming. And, um and now, you know, when I took a photo of that, that uh, slide, it was like, no one was out. Not even a car was out because there was so much snow on the ground and they hadn't plowed any of it because it was an overnight blizzard. And so in Minnesota, when it's an overnight blizzard, the plows don't come out till 7am or 6am. So until then no one drives like unless you want to like brave it and just drive <laughs> through all the snow like I do, but um no one's out. So it's like, it was completely silent. Like you could hear a pin drop. Like it was just so silent and in combination with no bugs because of the winter and no cars, no, like no nothing. There was no wind that night either. It was a very calm night. And so just sitting in that silence is also something that's soothing to me because I, I didn't have a quiet place, you know, I, I didn't have a place that I felt safe. And so that's kind of all of the emotions that I'm trying to put into this work. But like, I didn't think it was going to be successful. Like I thought I pretty much went into it. Like my likes are going to drop to like a hundred likes a photo. Like, I don't care what people think of this. Like, this is something that's me. And that is a hundred percent me and who I am and what I went through and how I feel. And, um, and I don't care what people think of it. And, um, I'm just glad it was received well that the, the messaging that I wanted to put in there, people read that messaging and yeah. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to write it in the caption. Like this is how you're supposed to feel. People can just look at a photo of a slide and feel peace, but also lonely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that to me is like mind blowing. Like I did not expect it to to work so i I I guess i'm proud of
0: that i think (laughs) i think the the authenticity in which you come to these images and the place that you derive these feelings from it comes out in your photo work for you know for anyone to see and it's probably why it has been as well received and as you know acceptable as it is and it's like the exact opposite. I would imagine it's some of your, your most liked work, your most shared work. It's it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would definitely definitely agree with that too. And um yeah, I don't know. It's it's something where like I've always felt threatened by other artists, if that makes any sense. Like, oh, someone else can just go to that spot and take a better photo at a better sunset of the skyline, right? The skyline's always gonna be there the sun's always going to be there for however many billion years until it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, all these things are constant. Right. So like I always had this like feeling that I'm like, I could be replicated. I could be replaced with something better. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is, I guess like when I watched all these documentaries about painters and about these distinguished artists and stuff like that, they were never scared of that because they're like, what I do, no one can do except for me. And I never understood what they were saying. And it wasn't that they had a technical mastery that no one could achieve because anyone in the world can spend as much time painting as they do to get to the same place, to get to the same mastery of the same styles and the same techniques. And so the physical process is always replicatable, but the emotional, the mental, the subconscious, those things are unique to everybody. Everybody has their own sensitivity to emotion and like, some things will affect them more than others and and no one is identical when it comes to how they think how they feel how things make them feel how traumas resurface later or like whether they know about those traumas don't know about those traumas it's like a rabbit hole when it comes to mental health and introspection and knowing yourself and yeah so it's it's just like now I'm at a point where I'm like I don't think that people can do exactly what I do in the way that I do it because I am who I am, you know, mm-hmm. like they could do something similar and I would love it, but it wouldn't be identical.
0: Sure. And so, um, I think a lot yeah, of, I don't know. yeah, I think a lot of, of what you just said makes me think about when I'm doing photography or I'm on a podcast that, uh, imposter syndrome that I feel at times when I'm trying to do the thing that I love and I really enjoy, but at times it's easy for you to feel like a fraud. Like who am I to go walk the streets of New York and say I'm a street photographer? Who am I to start a podcast and say that I'm a podcast host? And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, and I am just, I'm five years older than you, so I'm I'm a bit older. You learn lessons as they come in life. It's Mm -hmm. the ability to just take the thing that you love and keep doing it. And it doesn't really matter what people tell you. Like I don't need all my friends that text me and say, dude, I listened to your podcast. It was fucking amazing. Or that picture you took was so beautiful because I do it for me. If other people are positively impacted by the things that I do that I love. Great. But at the end of the day, it's like trying to avoid that, you know, fraud label that I give myself all the time that will ultimately help me grow the most as a person.
1: Yeah, definitely, man. And yeah, obviously I struggle from that as well um like i've now only just reached a point where i'm like i am going to introduce myself as like an artist and a photographer like not just a photographer not a photographer slash videographer not like oh i own my own media company like it's just i'm an artist and i use photography and that's like my medium right now because the medium might change like i sure i know i'm that's what the process that i'm supposed to be doing and so um yeah, but it's definitely hard. It's so hard and and like when you come to situations where like it's easy to say that in front of people, a room full of people that aren't artists, right? Sure. But then you're in a room full of artists and you're like, "Oh, I'm an artist." And you're like, there's other artists that are way more experienced, way more distinguished, way more. And they're like, "You are an artist, like I'm an artist." <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, fuck, like I'm not no I just I just take photos. Like I'm just a nobody. Like I just take photos."
0: <laughs> oh, I, I know that feeling but, well. Yeah, I think like at the end of the day, like um, you just touched on something that's super important. It's like I I, I try my best not to compare my story with anybody else's and my journey to where I'm at as an artist is completely unique to me and completely unique to you. And like it's easy to get caught up in the likes and the follows and the shares and all that shit that doesn't mean anything. Um, But I relate so much to that (laughs) being in a room of photographers like, oh, what do you do? i'm a photographer (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah i totally feel that um tyler uh obviously we've been on the line for about an hour now and uh, i want to try to wrap things up in in just a bit but for someone who's never heard you um speak before or, or been introduced to you before um a lot of what we touched on is some heavy shit and and obviously we try to make brevity and light of of a lot of um you know real uh factors in life and and mental illness but if someone you don't know is listening to this podcast right now you know 15 year old 35 year old 50 year old whoever it might be what's like one piece of advice that you can give someone that's hearing you talk for the first time just navigating you know their own trauma their own tribulations that they're you know sitting in today
1: yeah i mean it's it's um I know it's such a cliche, but like time heals everything and time is your greatest resource ever. Like screw money. Like I don't care if I have money. I don't care if I know a hundred thousand people. I don't care if I have a hundred properties around the world. If I have time, that's all I care about, honestly, time and happiness. And so just be patient. And I know that's such a cliche and it's so hard in the moment to believe that right it's like you can only be proven it like i i said that's bullshit until time proved me wrong and i was like okay wow like i actually am way less sad thinking about these things seven ten years later you know than i was back then for sure and so just keep trying keep working keep one step you know one foot in front of the other like just take one step every day it doesn't have to be a leap it doesn't have to be a jump you don't have to be skipping rings on the ladder you don't have to piggyback you know someone else and try to get over it like there's no shortcuts right just one day at a time take one day at a time and uh, focus on tomorrow and just realize that most of the things that are worth earning or worth going through or worth like growing from doesn't happen quickly ever Uh, so just yeah I guess be patient in the process and know that no matter how depressed you are, no matter how anxious you are, or whatever, that will not affect you in the same way forever. And it will get better with time and it will get better with working on it. But time also just in itself will make it a lot easier. Like eventually you'll be like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I've been dealing with this for too long. And then you just won't deal with it anymore. Like you'll be like, I'm just going to go to the grocery store alone. Like I don't care. Like, I know it's going to make me anxious, but at this point, it's been years of this and I'm just sick of it at this point. <laughs> you yeah. know? So sometimes Absolutely you just got to wait, wait it out and, and, uh, keep working on yourself and, until you reach that point where you're like, yeah, fuck this. I don't really want to be affected by it anymore.
0: Yeah. But. I- I'm completely with you. I mean, it goes without saying that, uh, this has been one of the best conversations for sure that I've had on my podcast, probably in my life. Um, really re- introspective, um, Really inspirational hearing where you've come from, where you're going, what you have in front of you. Um, I, I count you as a friend, obviously, and uh, you're a true inspiration Definitely. from an artist perspective, man. And uh, this has been an, an absolutely beautiful conversation. Um, I like to wrap up all my podcasts with just a recommendation, um, could be a book that I'm reading, a movie, TV show, something that I saw, um, literally, you know, lip gloss, whatever the fuck it might be. What's, uh, what's, <laughs> what's one recommendation you have, uh, for, uh, for the audience out there today?
1: Um, so I always kind of recommend the same person. Uh, it's one of my biggest inspirations whose, uh, h- whose name is Alex Soth. So he's a photographer based out of, um, Minnesota, and he uses a lot of subconscious processes to create his photo series. So um, if you're trying to learn more about like, how I create work, how he creates work is very similar to how I create work. So and his work is incredible, like so amazing. So Alex South.
0: Sweet. We'll uh, we'll link them up in the notes below. Um, my recommendation, uh, I'm sure you've seen this. It's uh, a documentary that I bought, Finding Vivian Meyer. It is so yeah. fucking good. I watched it again for like the sixth time last night. It's just yes. an incredibly awesome documentary. I love documentaries. <sighs> and just watching that film is so inspirational on like a, a person who was in their own world, uh, really just so far out there doing something so religiously day in and day out, taking absolutely beautiful street photos, uh, documentary style photography. And uh, I, I'm sure you've seen it. It's, it's just incredible.
1: Oh, yeah, I think I've seen it about six times yeah. as well myself. <laughs> it's so
0: fucking just good. just gets
1: better every time you watch it. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Find something different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, Tyler, uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Uh, it goes without question that uh, sometime down the line we're going to have episode number two. I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, this chat with you and uh, look forward to doing it again. And uh, take care, man, and uh, happy birthday.
1: Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. So um, yeah, thank you very much.
0: Sounds good, buddy. Be well. You too, man.